You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Dove Valley Deep Divers Live. I'm Eric Trickle, and joining me today is Carl Dummler. Unfortunately, Lance Anderson, due to weather and work stuff, he's not able to join us today. But, Carl, how's it going? I'm good, man. A little uh, little tired. Had a, a concert last night, about four hours away. Took a bunch of youth kids and uh, got home about 4, 4.30 in the morning. And uh, so I- I'm glad this was mountain time instead of my time. <laughs> When you said one o'clock, I was like, oh, man, I'm going to be dead. But uh, so, yeah, I got a little sleep. I'm ready to go, man. I'm ready to talk some football. Man, I am too. And the topic that we have today, we're going to be talking about the quarterback position in the AFC West, especially the Raiders who were just linked to going after Tom Brady and moving on from Derek Carr. I think that's something that's going to be very interesting for not just the Broncos, but the whole division with Patrick Mahomes, what's going on with the Chargers. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And then after that, we're going to be taking your guys' questions about the draft, the Broncos, whatever, and answering them to the best of our abilities. But as I mentioned, we're going to start off by talking about the whole AFC West. Not much to talk about when it comes to the Denver Broncos. Drew Locke's going to be the starting quarterback. I mean, that's pretty much a given now. And unless the Chiefs somehow surprise everyone and trade Patrick Mahomes, <laughs> Patrick Mahomes is going to be the quarterback of the Chiefs. I mean, come on now. But uh, what do you think about the Raiders and their this rumor going around about them going after Tom Brady? Well, I mean, it's it's John Gruden, so you never know what to expect from him. I mean, taking Cleland Farrell at four overall, when everybody had him as like the 20th, you know, kind of going in the 20s, uh, he just he uh, dances to a, a, a different beat than everybody else. So it wouldn't really surprise me. I, I guess it does surprise me in the sense of John Gruden likes to be the center of attention. And if Tom Brady comes to down, he is no longer the center of attention. So th- that is my one thing of I don't know how those two would do together. John Gruden has usually had quarterbacks that are kind of more of a yes, sir, no, sir. Uh, you, I do what you tell me to do kind of thing. And that's why I always thought Derek Carr would be, be great with him because that's kind of Derek Carr's personality. But it does seem like the two of them have not been getting along as well as some people would hope. Uh, I mean, there, there's been a lot of smoke that those two just don't see eye to eye on a lot of things. Uh, you know, Carr not wanting to go deep as much as John Gruden would like him to, uh, those kind of things. So uh, it, it really wouldn't shock me just because, like I said, it's, it's John Gruden. You never know what to expect. When you zig, he zags. Yep, and I think that one reason outside of the whole Tom Brady and John Gruden getting along and that chemistry there, I think it makes a lot of sense for the now Las Vegas Raiders to go after and get a guy like Tom Brady. Moving into Las Vegas, they're going to need some help probably trying to sell tickets and bring in Tom Brady. That's going to do that. And it's the same reason for the Chargers and why it makes sense for them to go after it. There's been rumors already about the Chargers potentially leaving Los Angeles and being on the move from there just because their attendance is down so much. they got to do something to bring to bring people in to sell tickets and go on and getting Tom Tom Brady. That's going to do that. I mean, even though he, you can talk about how he's over the hill a little bit already, the decline that he's had in his play, you can make all those arguments about the talent around him as well. But it just comes down to the fact that these teams are looking at them and looking at Tom Brady to bring in and sell tickets. And that's what that's with owners. That's where it all really starts is you got to be able to sell tickets. Right. It's, it's not always about winning games. Uh, it's about making money. And sometimes yeah. that doesn't always mean make, uh, like I said, winning games. I mean, that, that does help usually, 
But at the same time, you still need your star players, your star names, the people that bring the fans in. Uh, Jersey sales would go crazy if Tom Brady changed teams. I mean, he'd be the number one jersey for sure. I I have no doubts about that. So, yeah, it it makes some sense. I I do question a little bit. I know Chargers were linked to him, like you said. Um, Why would he want to go there other than it's California and big money? I mean, I I know those are are two big things, but at the same time, that offensive line is the worst in football, in my opinion. He's going to spend that $35 he's going to make just on medical bills from being behind that offensive line, in my opinion. Yeah. And I agree with that is that offensive line is just a major concern though with the Chargers sitting at what the sixth pick overall, that'll, that'll put them in a position to at least go get one offensive lineman, but they just have an issue everywhere. And Tom Brady recently made that comment about how he wants, or someone, I can't remember if it was Tom Brady or somebody else reported that Tom Brady wants to go somewhere where they have weapons. And is that really true with the Chargers? I mean, Hunter Henry, but isn't he a free agent this year? They have Keenan Keenan Allen and then Austin Eckler, I guess, because Melvin Gordon, he's not going to be back. He is a free agent. I know that. So there's a big issue there. And unlike the Raiders, Chargers don't have those three first-round picks to go put the weapons around them. The Raiders do. And that's why I think that if he does end up in the AFC West, I think he's going to end up with the Raiders. They have a better offensive line than the Chargers. They have more potential for weapons. Plus, they have a really good running back already in Josh Jacobs. They have Darren Waller. They have a good basis of weapons. So then those three first-round picks, adding more to it. So if I'm picking somebody for that, that's going to be where Tom Brady ends up as the Raiders. I know that he probably wants to go back towards California, but Las Vegas, eh, that's not a bad area to go to either. Right. Well, and I know he and his wife just bought a new house in Vegas. So they'd have a place to stay already. They're pretty diversified anyway. I mean, they're, they're a global family, not really a, a regional family. And uh, so, well, I mean, really in California from Vegas, isn't that far? I mean, yeah. I, I went there a few years back for a friend's birthday party. A friend of mine from L.A., he and his wife drove up. It was no big deal. Like, it, it's not that far. So I, I don't think it would be that big of a deal to have be Vegas or L.A. Uh, the, the location is not as big for me. But uh, But you're right. If you're talking about talent around him, Vegas is the choice. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. 
With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. I still do think the idea of, of Tom Brady coming to the AFC West, it doesn't scare me that much. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but like just looking at Tom Brady with the Patriots, his stats have gone down pretty much every single season for the last about four or five years. And uh, so just looking at that, I'm just going, I don't know that he would be the second best quarterback coming into the AFC West. Yeah, and that's the other, that's a whole other aspect of looking at it is is he going to want to go to a team where, hey, you have the Chiefs in the same division. You're going to have this very tough competition for you. And it goes to either the Raiders or the Chargers when he could potentially go to the Colts, who they have that offensive line. They have, they're able to go get weapons. They have a very good, solid defense already. And who's the real threat there? The Texans with Deshaun Watson? But there's a bunch of issues with the Texans going on right now, and Bill O'Brien being named the general manager, I think that's just a huge mistake. But yep. we're, we're getting away off the topic a little bit. Right. But if Tom Brady goes to the Raiders, who do you think that the, would be like next in line for the Chargers if they wanted to go pick up a veteran? Um, I mean, I, I know there's been talk of like Cam Newton obviously being traded. So, I mean, he's not a free agent. Personally, if I were the, the Chargers at that point – it might just be better to stick with Tyrod Taylor and build around him and then go for 2021 because I know, I guess if Tua Tagovailoa, there we go, um, you trade up for him kind of thing. I, I don't know. It's I'm not sure that there'd be really a, a big free agent out there that I'd be too excited about to go spend big money and bring them in because, like I said, they're just – to me, the, the Chargers are the team that has the most to rebuild in the AFC West especially on offense. And so I'm not one to bring in a veteran that's going to be beat up for the next two years as they try to build up around him. Yeah, I definitely agree there. And I, I got to say, if they do go get a veteran quarterback, then I have to think that's going to be Cam Newton. Anthony Lynn, he really wants to run the ball, and Cam Newton's going to help right. do that, help Austin Eckler. But I think that it would be best for them to just go with that rebuilding, either go stick with Tyrod Taylor and play for 2021, as you said, or go move up and go try to get – to Otago Veloa or Justin Herbert in the draft, one of those two, because they're they're just they're the bottom in the AFC West. I mean, it's there's just so many issues and holes on that that roster that, and then obviously all their health concerns that they have every single year is just going to be concerning for them, and they got to go and figure that out. And then uh, one guy mentioned about in our chat that about the Titans make the most sense. I'm assuming you're talking about Tom Brady here. And I actually agree. The Titans do make a lot of sense for Tom Brady. But my thing is, I just think that they're going to end up sticking with Ryan Tannehill. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that seems to be the way they, they want to go. Uh, he had a great season for him. Obviously, he's a great fit for him. I, I just I, – I can't see him playing for any other team 
other than the Titans and, and Tannehill, not not Brady. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, we're going to get to the stage where we're going to be taking your questions here a little bit. Before, well, actually, before we do that, we're going to just talk briefly about the uh, continuing about this discussion about the quarterbacks in the AFC West and going more towards potentially in the draft and what they can do. So, say the Raiders miss out on Tom Brady in the free agency, they have those three first round picks. Could you see them moving up to like three or into the top five at least to go get to a tag of or Justin Herbert? Well, again, I mean, it's John Gruden. So nothing nothing is off the table with Gruden. Uh, I I think that would still be pretty tough for him to want to give up that much. He always wants to win those trades kind of thing. And uh, so I I think he's one of those guys he could feel like he could build up a a later first-round pick or a second-round pick and turn them into a great quarterback. I mean, that's kind of his – his ego always coming into play of just, I can do this. This is me. And he doesn't want anybody else to get that kind of credit of, of this team having success. Um, I mean, I think he's a great coach. Don't get me wrong, but I do think his ego is one of the bigger in the NFL. Oh, I definitely agree. John Gruden's ego has definitely been a huge issue for him in the past. And it continues to be a little bit, which is one, one reason for me why I was a little bit surprised to see Mike Mayock being brought in as a general manager and just, the clashes that those two potentially could have or have had is just going to be interesting to watch continuing them going forward, especially if they do decide drafts the way they want to go and trading up. Can John Gruden convince that Mike Mayock that that's the way to go? I don't know about that. It's 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 going to be interesting to watch for sure. And as we continue this, before we start to get into questions, what about the Chargers? Which, between Justin Herbert and Tua Tagovailoa, must the Cincinnati Bengals surprise everyone and pass on Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow is going to be their number one overall pick. Which right. one of those two do you actually prefer for the Chargers? Well, for the Broncos' sake, I would say Justin Herbert. But actually, play a player that I think has the higher upside, it's got to be Tua. Uh, I mean, I, I think Herbert's a consistent guy. I just see him being that guy that fits right there in the middle of the pack of quarterbacks. And I just don't think he has that personality that you really see in a lot of the top quarterbacks that, that I mean, I hate to use the word, but swag that, that they have. That, uh, I mean, you see it in, in Drew Locke. We'll see if that works out full time. But, I mean, Mahomes, the man is just oozing it. I mean, the, the, there's no time in, in a game where you feel like you're out of it because you have him on the field and his confidence to continue to just rip it down the field. Even after he throws a couple interceptions in, in the Super Bowl, he's still wanting to go deep. So, I, I just, uh, again, I, I just, I, I didn't see the growth from Justin Herbert that I was hoping for. And yeah. I, I just questioned a little bit of, like, he had a pretty decent deep ball, but they never hardly used it. They kept throwing all these screens and quick passes, and it just like they, they Oregon just almost didn't trust him to not yeah. go out there and make a big mistake. So it was kind of weird to me to see that. And if they, they don't trust him, then it's hard for me to want to trust him if he's going to be my franchise quarterback. I definitely agree, especially about the whole part about not seeing the growth from him. I saw very minimal growth watching him from last season to this season. And what areas there were, it again, it just was minimal. And I think that you mentioned Oregon and how they used him. I think that is also a very fair argument to have, especially when you factor in the receivers that they had and all the drops that that – Herbert was dealing with throughout the season. There was definitely a lot of issues at play, but it still comes back to my evaluation of Justin Herbert and the mechanics and the tools and all that stuff. And he's just, again, very much the same quarterback he was a year ago. So I'd be, that's a concern for me because 
did he max out? Is there more? Is there still more room for growth? I think there's more room, but we just didn't see that growth to say, oh yeah, there definitely is. Right. And just one last quick question: If say the Panthers manage to jump up above the the Chargers and get either Justin uh, Justin Herbert or Tua Tagovailoa, with Miami getting the other one, what would you see, rather see the Chargers do? Take say a Jordan Love at six or trade down and take Jordan Love. Well, if I'm the Chargers, I want to trade down and take them, obviously. <laughs> I mean, that's uh, you always want the more draft capital to be able to surround a, a quarterback like him. But uh, at that point, you might see them panic and say, we got to take this guy if we want a quarterback. Because after after that group of quarterbacks, it drops off pretty significantly. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're talking about the, the Jake Fromms of, of the draft. And uh, nobody's gonna, nobody's gonna be jumping out of their chair excited about that kind of pick. Yeah. Um, and so, really, honestly, I mean, I don't mind Jordan Love, but I think he is too big of a project for me to personally view him as that first round quarterback. Um, and so, it, that's where, if I'm the Chargers, I'm just saying we got to take a a red shirt year here. We got to hope for 2021 when there's some pretty good quarterbacks once again. Let's build up this team. Uh, I mean, you saw some different teams try that. I mean, I know like Cleveland tried that before they took Baker Mayfield, where they really tried to build up the roster before they went for a quarterback. And obviously last year that didn't work out. We'll see how it does with the the new coaching staff. I still think Baker Mayfield's a, a highly talented quarterback. Yeah, uh, He's just got to get out of his own way on some things as well. But, uh, but yeah, it's at that point, I, I think I would just be – I'd feel like I'd be throwing away a six or the sixth overall pick if I'm going to take Jordan Love. There's no way he's deserving of that pick. I agree, but I also come to the fact of just teams panicking and trying to go get that quarterback. And if the Chargers, if they go get another veteran quarterback or just decide to ride with Tyrod Taylor, I could see them going and taking, if they're not there, um, if Tua and Herbert aren't there, I can see them go on Jordan Love and just letting him sit and working with him and developing him because he does kind of fit with what Anthony Lynn wants to do, and he can definitely open it up the offense a little bit more, bringing in those RPOs and all that kinds of stuff like that. So it's definitely going to be interesting. I'm not a fan of taking him at six, though. I don't think he's a top, worth a top 15 pick. I can't remember off the top of my head where he actually sits on my board. I don't think he sits in the first round. Right. So definitely, yeah. trading, definitely trading down, but then – as you alluded to, is that there's also that risk of other teams. There's been a lot of rumor that the co- that the Colts are really in on Jordan, on Jordan Love and that Frank Reich really wants to get his hands on him and mold him and everything. So it's definitely going to be interesting. Yeah. So we're going to get to your guys' question. And the first one I saw here was something that just kind of caught my eye really quickly. And it is, do you know why the Broncos called the Bengals about the number one overall pick? And I can say that I actually hadn't heard and haven't heard anything about the Broncos yeah. calling for the Bengals about the number one pick. So I'm not sure – where the report is that's coming about that. And uh, I'm definitely trying to stay up on top of that kinds of stuff. So uh, if they have, I haven't heard about it. Yeah. I'm like, I, I like drew lock. I guess if you're trading up to number one, I think you got to go Joe Burrow uh, as much as I like lock. I, and I know chase young is there and that, that would be a hard one to pass on. Um, I mean, to me, if you're, you're doing that, you almost have to do like a chase young, taken at the first overall pick and then trade Von Miller. And I know nobody wants to hear that, but you're trying to get back more draft capital because to get to number one overall from 15, that that's going to take something astronomical. And I just, I, I can't see how the Broncos would ever find that to be worth it. This is the overtime podcast network.
Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then the next question from Robert Caslow. What do you think of Jacob Eason? I'll let you take this one first. Well, I mean, the, the guy has a cannon for an arm. He's got all the confidence in the world, uh, sometimes way too much confidence. He doesn't do a great job of always reading defenses. He just kind of trusts his instincts and makes some really bonehead throws that you're just like, what are you doing? I mean, I, you could say the same thing about Drew Locke when he was in college too. He had some throws. And you're like, what was that? And he's even admitted there's some times that his coach is like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't even know. <laughs> so uh, I, I think there's talent there, but it is, it's kind of, I hate to say this, but he, he gives me a little bit of like Paxton Lynch vibes on like having too much confidence in his athleticism and his arm and and not enough of seeing him really make quarterback quality decisions on the field. And and so I, I do think there's going to be some team that really takes uh, a chance on him and thinks that they can mold him because, like I said, quarter, these coaches out here, they have huge egos. It's how they've gotten here. I mean, you got to have a pretty big ego to believe that you can make it in the NFL. And uh, so somebody's going to believe they can mold him into the next great uh, Matthew Stafford or something like that with a big cannon arm. I don't see it. Uh, I mean, if he's there in the second, I, I can understand a team wanting to take a chance on him in the first round, maybe at the end of round one, where you want to get that fifth year option. I can understand it, but uh, yeah, he, he's just not my favorite prospect. I, I like him. I like the raw tools that he brings to the table, but I think that he's just going to need a lot of work for it. And this actually goes with another question about, Seeing Eason mock to the Bucks, what are your thoughts? I think if there's any team or any coach that's going to make Jacob Eason work, I think it's going to be Bruce Arians and that offense that's going to spread him out, let him use that arm of his to target deep. I actually really like that fit, and I, that's where for Eason's sake. I hope he ends up with the Bucks and Bruce Arians. Going to the next question from Joey Grubbs. Do you know why the Chargers are so eager to let Rivers walk? Well, it's basically simple. The decline that Philip Rivers has had over the years has been tremendous among all the other issues. And plus, it's just a team that's just ready to just rebuild and start over. Anthony Lynn, he's getting his shot to just try and do that. Not sure how much of a leash he has, though. So that's going to be interesting to watch. I mean, it's not it's not a case of St. Kyle Shanahan and the 49ers where he's going to have this super long leash to go and completely tear things down and rebuild. Or Matt Rule with the Carolina Panthers. We're not right. seeing kind of thing with Anthony Lynn. So he's got to figure that, something out fast. Right. And that's uh, a little bit of the surprise, I guess. And it's why I lean towards them wanting to go a veteran direction, just because he does know he has that short leash of whether he's going to be able to make it or not. Um, I, I do think he has a one year window here to show improvement, at least on the team. And I'm not sure that they have the pieces or the cap space or everything around to to really improve this team enough because you see the Broncos have lots of cap space, lots of draft picks. Chiefs are obviously Super Bowl champs. Raiders have quite a bit to, to build up their team. And so it's it's hard to see them moving from that fourth spot in the AFC West right now. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. And thank you guys for saying about the whole rumor about the Broncos calling to trade up number one. Apparently it was posted on Facebook and Ben Albright already shot it down saying that it was basically a move that Elway was just just kind of seeing what the price was, which that makes sense. It obviously any team, no matter where you're at, you should always call number one, at least gauge the price. So yeah, it doesn't feel like there's actual interest there. Yeah. I want to show one question here. All right. Just cause uh, I want to give a shout out to uh, Jason Schmidt. Uh, he, he was my youth pastor growing up. <laughs> so he's part of the reason I'm in ministry. So, uh, but uh, what does Denver do if Locke ends up being a flop like Paxton? I'm worried he still might not be the guy. Well, I mean, then you go back to searching for your quarterback again. I mean, it's kind of uh, you, you keep searching till you find it. And at times you got to take a chance and say, kind of like with Paxton, they gave him a couple years to show that he had anything. And that obviously flopped. And, and as teams go, you just keep looking. And so drew lock, he's getting his second year. If he shows some, if he doesn't show any improvement, then yeah, 2021, you got to expect the Broncos are probably going to be pretty high on quarterback and if, if Drew Locke flops, it probably means the team flops as well. I definitely agree. And as Joey Grubb says, he's already better than Paxton. I wholeheartedly agree. I think yeah. that the growth and what he showed in the five games and just over the last season is just more than what Paxton Lynch showed in all the time that he had with the Broncos. I think that there's already he's already better than him if he still flops. And this was one reason why I was always aboard the build the nest train about Drew Locke and giving him 2020. If Drew Locke fails, then odds are the team is failing, and we're probably seeing a 6-10 and 10 record at best. It's right. all going to ride or die on Drew Locke's shoulders. So if he fails, Denver should be in position to go get one of the top quarterbacks from next year, either Brock Purdy from Iowa State, Justin Fields, Ohio State, or, of course, Trevor Lawrence from, from Clemson. They'd be in position to get one of those guys. And from Chris Clark, how much of a drop-off do you guys think there is from Ruggs to save Rieger or Mims? I'll let you take this one first. Well, I, I I don't think there's a huge drop off from Rugs to Rigger. Uh to Mims, yeah, there, there's a little bit more of a drop off just because he is more of a he's more of an athlete than he is a football player at this time still. I mean, I know he had a great senior bowl and and showed that promise that he can bring to the field. But he also still, I don't think, has quite the athleticism of Ruggs or, or Rigger. Uh, Ruggs, if he can figure out how to get off the line of scrimmage, he can be a top 10 wide receiver just because of his threat to, to take any pass for a touchdown. Um, and, and Rigger, it's kind of the same thing of, of just his – he's got a little more shiftiness than Ruggs. And, and that's something that I really like about his game, that uh, he's going to be a little bit slower, but that shiftiness really makes up for it. Um, but yeah, between Ruggs and Rager, I, I don't have a huge drop off in, in my rankings. But Mims, yes, there is quite a bit of a drop off. Uh, he, he's gotten a bump from the Senior Bowl, but it's not so much that he gets to be in that kind of conversation of, you know, there were some that were even talking about uh, Rager at 15. I, I don't think he'll go. <laughs> I don't think he'll go quite that high. But I think it just kind of shows the kind of talent that he has where Mims, I think second round is the earliest you're even thinking about him. I actually agree. I think there's a, I don't want to say a huge drop off, but there is a decent drop off from Ruggs to Rieger for me. And then there's an even bigger drop off between Rieger and Mims. I think Rieger can definitely be that borderline first round, late, early second type guy. And then Mims I have as a middle to late third round guy. And then Ruggs, I think is a top 20 player on my board. So yep. there's definitely a drop off there, but it's just the natural progression of the wide receiver position. And this next one is from Max Gonzalez. Why are you guys doubting Locke now? I believe he wouldn't have done as well had he not learned the system. 
Well, basically, we're not doubting Drew Locke. It's, we're actually being uh, very supportive, yeah. and we actually think have high. I know Carl and I. We both privately have spoken about this. We we have high hopes for Drew Locke and the Broncos next this next season. And then Lance Anderson, our my normal co-host, co-host, didn't Lynn just get a contract extension? He did, and it's only through the twenty twenty one season. So it's, it was only I think it was only a year overall on the extension. So it's still not the longest of leashes that he's getting. It's not like what Kyle Shanahan got, who was what a six year deal. And uh, Rule got that seven-year deal with the Carolina. Yeah, that, was, that was crazy. Yeah. But, uh, no. Yeah. And really, I mean, because coaching contracts don't count against the cap, like it, it's not that big of a deal if they get cut early from their contract. So you, you don't sit there and say, oh, he signed through 2021. They're for sure giving him the next two years. No, if they go out and are 2-14 and 14 next year, I don't see how he's back in 2021. They'll just – bite the bullet and say, well, we're going to, because the way it works is you still have to pay out the contract. You're just going to be paying two coaches. Yeah. So I, I, and really NFL owners, you know, paying 5 million for a coach. That's nothing. I mean, you got players that are making quadruple that and it's, it's that they're willing to pay that. So I, I just don't see that being that the contract extension is, is nice and it maybe gives him a little bit of confidence but at the same time, he's got to know he's still got to produce this next year. Yeah. And then from Buona Beast, who is a good friend of the show, any chance the Lions go off script with Jeffrey Okuda? And I definitely think that there's definitely – there is a possibility that they don't go with the cornerback from Ohio State. I'm going to try not to say his name too much so I don't get ridiculed by Nick Kendall, of course. But uh, Derek Brown's definitely an option for them. But I think in, when it's all said and done, they're going to go with this cornerback. And – Maybe not a three, maybe at four or five, depending on trades and what happens there. But I think unless he goes beforehand, like they trade down to five and the Giants go with him, I think that they'll be eyeing this cornerback. Any thoughts on uh, them thinking about Simmons? I think that's uh, interesting, but I, I know you actually you were a part of the thread on Twitter about this. All the Lions people that I've spoken to and everything, they're just not sure about Simmons' fit with Matt Patricia, even though he was with the with the Patriots who have used guys who have not been similar to Simmons, but that chess piece kind of played. <laughs> I just don't, I'm just not seeing Simmons for the Lions based off of what I've been told by Lions guys. Yeah, I think I know like NFL teams, they like versatility, but they don't at the same time. Yeah. They like to have a pretty defined position just because they're like, we need to know how to build our defense Otherwise, we got to change up how everybody else plays by how we're moving this guy around all the play, all over the place. And so <clears throat> I, I do think Simmons is a very, very talented player, and I think you can find a way to make him successful. And, and I wouldn't mind him on the Broncos one bit. But I think you also have to be careful of almost getting too creative at times of how you're using some of those kind of players. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then the next question is John Boy. Pipe Dream has to be getting a guy like Werfs or Thomas at 15 and trading back up into the first round and somehow keeping your second rounder this year and getting Rieger, right? Ha ha. Well, basically, if you're trading back up into the first round, you're not keeping that second rounder. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're trading a first rounder next year, you're not keeping that second rounder. Right. It's just not going to happen. As for a Pipe Dream for one of those guys falling, I don't think that's as much of a – not a possibility as it once was. Not so much with Tristan Worse, but with Andrew Thomas. And the reason for that is based off of a lot of conversations I've had with people in and around the NFL, Andrew Thomas is sliding down boards. There is more and more concern about if he actually is a left tackle in the NFL or if he's a guy who's going to be better at either inside at guard or just a right tackle. 
a lot of concerns there with his overall with his pass setting and just issues with that. They think he's a very good run defender, which I definitely agree with. But just those concerns as a pass as a pass protector are just causing him to slide down boards a little bit. Yeah, no, I'm with you. He definitely has his issues. I, I think he he was still highly productive in college, and, and he did it in the SEC. So you got to give him credit for that. But there's still times you see him, like I said, he just doesn't quite have the feet that you like for a left tackle. Uh, there's times where he kind of stands up more than he ever should when he's, especially when he's about to come get contact. He likes to stand up for some reason, and yeah. and in college he's able to reset and get his feet back underneath him. NFL guys are going to be like, oh, thank you very much. So there's some concerns there with his game that you're, you're going to have to correct some things. And there's some things that you can't correct. I mean, his foot speed, I, you can improve it some, but you can't really, yeah. the, the natural guys, they just have it. And uh, so, but yeah, if Tristan Wirfs is there, that is a pipe. Uh, it's not a pipe dream. I, I think there is a real possibility he could be there. If you have the, the four or five quarterbacks go in the top 14, yeah, there, there's a, there's going to be somebody that surprises us of who falls to 15. Uh, and that, that is a real possibility. We saw it back in 2011, how many quarterbacks were taken in that draft, even though there's huge talent teams panicked for quarterbacks. So that always yeah. happened. Uh, but uh, yeah. I, I, and then, yeah, you, you're going to have to trade your second round pick. <laughs> <laughs> Otherwise you're going to be Josh McDaniels trading a first for a second kind of thing. And you, you don't want to get, you don't want to do that. That was terrible. Earl Thomas for Alfonso Smith. Man, Woo-hoo! that was awesome. Yeah. Anyways, next one's from Chris Clark. I'm kind of upset Kinlaw had such a good senior bowl. I'm with you on that. Good for him, but I really wanted that 15. Same here. Does it look like he could still fall there? This is one that privately we, uh, Nick and I have actually gone back and forth with overall uh, a little bit. And Carl, he's in the group chat as well. And we talk, we've talked about it with the, the Buccaneers. They've they've been kind of leaking a little bit more and more over the past few years. And there's been a lot of lot of people linking Javon Kinlaw to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And it makes a lot of sense. I hope that he's there at 15, but I just don't get the, get the sense overall that that would be the way the Broncos go, which is very disappointing to me because I think Kinlaw is going to be great in the NFL. So it all depends. I, I could see him being there, but at the same time is the Bucks they seem pretty set on him. Yeah. And that, that's unfortunate. That, that's the, the big part of the senior bowl. You see these guys get a big bump. Uh, Josh Jones looks like he's going to get a pretty big senior bowl bump. Uh, I'm trying to think last year who was who were some of the players that got that. I, I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, he's he's a good player. He'd be a great fit with the Broncos. Uh, just he has that size, length, power, speed, everything you're looking for on the interior defensive line, and and a guy that I, I do think he's a little bit raw. And I don't know how much production he would have year one for the Broncos. But he really is that guy, two, year two, three, four, five, you're viewing, he could become a top five interior defensive lineman. And so uh, if he's there for the Broncos, I'll be excited. But it's looking more and more like that's not going to be the possibility. Yeah, and you mentioned that year one, not much of impact. I kind of – I. My comparison for him is Chris Jones, and we've actually gotten quite a bit of questions about him. And uh, our next question, I actually have it all lined up here, is going to be about Chris Jones. But Chris Jones didn't have that biggest impact year one, and he's gone on to be fantastic for it. So I am Supreme 22 comes in with, would you guys go two or three million above the market price, resetting the market on Chris Jones to ensure you streak him away, you uh, streak him away from Kansas City? He showed his impact in the Super Bowl when it counted most. I definitely would. I love Chris Jones. I loved him pre-draft. I thought he can be tremendous. 
view basically everything I've said about Javon Kinlaw, I viewed the same way. I felt the same way about Chris Jones. I think that Chris Jones should have been the MVP for the Super Bowl, even yep. though he didn't light it up the stat sheet. They, he forced the 49ers to double and triple team him every single play. Damian Williams, I know he had a huge game, and he was great too. He was my number two choice for the MVP. I don't think it should have been Patrick Mahomes, but it's a quarterback's award. Mm-hmm. Anyway, as Chris Jones was just dominant in that game, and he just, again, he just completely forced the uh, San Francisco 49ers to completely plan for him and change their whole plan because of what he was doing to that interior. Double and triple teamed all the time. Ben Garland couldn't hold his own against him, and neither did either of those guards. It was just a tremendous game from him, and I would love to see him in Denver. I know that there were some reports going around that he didn't have the best of visits pre-draft for the Broncos, but that was under an old coaching staff, new coaching staff. A bunch of changes have happened, so I can't see him holding that grudge. If Denver can at least get him in for a visit, I can see him at least being more willing to join the Broncos. Yeah. I mean, th- th- this is where the, the chiefs are going to run into this problem of uh, the, the Super Bowl bump where everybody gets bigger contracts. And so they start pricing some of themselves out of, I mean, Denver saw it with like Malik Jackson, guys like that, that, that uh, Danny Trevathan is another that priced himself out of Denver. And uh, even though they made offers to those guys, it just was nowhere near what they were going to be able to get on the market. And Chris Jones, he might be another one where either they're going to have to tag him. I, I have a hard time seeing that they can really lock down a long-term contract with him for this upcoming season, uh, just with Patrick Mahomes' deal coming up. And I, I can't even imagine what Patrick Mahomes' deal is going to be. But, yeah, for the Broncos, he would be that perfect fit between Chubb and Von Miller. It, it would give them the best pass-rushing trio in the NFL by far. I mean, it's not even it's not even a debate at that point. Yeah. And for teams have to try to figure out how to uh, to stop those guys. And then you never have to hardly blitz. I mean, you can and you will, but and it'll make blitzing all that more, much more effective because you're going to be doing it so seldom because those three guys can get there without any extra help. And uh, so, yeah, I would love to see him. I, I do wonder if the Broncos are going to be willing to take that kind of record setting deal. But at the same time, I mean, I, I do think this is one of those off seasons where we're going to see kind of like in 2014, where Elway's like, we got to go all in. We got two more years of Peyton Manning for the Broncos. They got three more years of cost controlled Drew Locke. You've got to do something and you got to make sure that you're making a big splash. And there, there's nothing bigger of a splash for the Broncos right now than taking Chris Jones away from the Chiefs. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Yeah, and not only uh, not only does it help Denver, anytime you can do something that'll hurt your uh, hurt your main competitor in the division is always a tremendous thing. And Irvin Bailey comes in as, do you think Elway will use free agency to address the O-line? I actually don't think he does. I think that this is going to be something. They might make a couple signings. I'm not seeing a big signing on the offensive line. It might be a couple guys to come in and compete for depth. Guys like maybe B.J. Finney, who has a that experience working with Mike Munchak, I think that their bigger answers that they're going to be looking for to fix their offensive line are going to come in the draft at some point. Right. Yeah. I, I don't see a Brandon Scherf coming to Denver as much as I have for a long time. That's what I've wanted just because, I mean, the guy is super talented, can play either in the gap or the zone scheme uh, would, would be, be huge for the Broncos to get at the same time. Like you said, with the draft being pretty, pretty loaded when it comes to the offensive line, uh, really, I'm finding a lot more guards than I thought I would lately. And uh, so I've been really excited just to see some of those guys. Uh, we just talked about it on our podcast that came out earlier this morning or last night. I can't remember which one on some guys that we like. Uh, but, uh, 
yeah, I, I see them going more to the draft and then using most of their their free agency money really on the defense. Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think that would be, in a way, the better way to go because the defensive side of the draft is a little bit on the weaker side. Outside of cornerback, it's there's some talent there, but not very much. And your point about the guards, I definitely agree. I don't. I, everybody's talking about how this is a terrible offensive guard draft, and it's carried the interior offensive line is carried by centers. And I don't really agree with that. I think there are plenty of guards there. I just don't see many at the top of the draft. And the right. first rounds, I don't have any guard graded. It's the earliest ones are centers in the second round. But I, but between rounds three, four, and five, I have like 15 guards or something like that, 10 to 15 guards. So I think that there is a very good depth here, just lacking right. the talent. Well, and, and that's really any draft. Guard and center, you can find those in those mid to late round picks and have them become quality starters. Yep. I mean, the Broncos have seen it. Connor McGovern, I mean, he's not a huge quality starter, but he's a starter. You got Matt Paradis, of course. Uh, so, I mean, you, you got guys you can find that, that can come in and be starters pretty quick. And then, of course, you got the Mike Munchak bump. Yeah. That's the other part of this picture is that you have the best offensive line coach ever, especially since New England's offensive line coach retired, that there's no question that he is the best. And so you are putting your trust in him to develop guys and say, hey, we'll get you these mid-round guys. You develop them into quality starters. And he has a proven track, track record that he can definitely do that. Yeah, and second with the draft, we have Robert Caslow. Caslow, sorry about that. Any off-ball linebackers looking worth looking at in the draft? And there's another guy in here, John Boy, who of course has to bring up Akeem Davis Gaither, who is my boy. I th- I'm a big fan of him. I think that he can he is a second round prospect for me. I think that I don't not sure he'll go there. It all depends on how he does at the combine testing. He is a very much a poor man's version of Isaiah Simmons. He was used as an off-ball linebacker. He was used off the edge. He was used out in the slot. He was used in the in the secondary as a deep safety. He can just do it all. He's a little bit lighter, but he doesn't have those big concerns against the run where that you, mo- you see other linebackers have with this. He can sort through the trash and go make a play on the ball, but he's definitely a cover guy. I absolutely love him. I think Francis Bernard out of Utah, he's another one. Cameron Brown, if you're looking at that sixth round, seventh round, as a cover linebacker for the Broncos, he can definitely be an option there. He is the poor poor man versions of Isaiah Simmons with a lot more issues against the run. But this is another another class. It's kind of like guard for me, the linebacker classes. A lot of people are talking about how it's a weak, weak, weak linebacker class. And I, I really don't agree. I think that there is a lot of quality talent in the class but they're just more of like hidden gems type people or type prospects that you have to just kind of go and dig deep in and find yep no i'm, I'm with you I, there, there's definitely some guys and especially uh i mean this is again where coaching i i saw a question earlier about what do you think about the coaching moves the broncos have made and and i'm looking at this over the last well last season and now this season and I really like the coaching staff they put together because they, they have a lot of coaches with really proven track records of high success of working with the groups that they're working with. And and one of those with Fangio is linebackers. <clears throat> he's had a lot of success with linebackers. And I know he's had some high-quality guys that he's worked with, you know, like a Patrick Willis, uh, Danny Trevathan, uh, Smith that they got, Roquan Smith that they got in the draft. So, I mean, they've always had quality linebackers, but at the same time, he's always gotten the most out of them. And so yeah. I do think that they can find somebody. I mean, just this last year with, with the the dinosaur, you know, <laughs> I mean, uh, <laughs> who would have thought that he would turn into uh, Alexander Johnson would turn into something of a high success. 
Uh, I saw PFF had him in their top 50 players in the NFL this last year. Now, I don't think he's a top 50 player in the NFL, uh, but he he does what he, does his job well. The Broncos yeah. figured out, hey, he does great coming downhill. And so then, of course, that's what they do. They, they have him going downhill. They don't have him dropping back into coverage all the time. And so, uh, yeah, I, I do think that the Broncos can find a way to use like a guy like Gaither uh, to be highly successful in their system. I definitely agree. And just talking about Vic Vanjo and his track record, track record. I mean, you have also have to factor in uh, Nick Kwiatkowski, I think is how you say his name with Chicago. You have to factor in Chris Borland as well with, with the San Francisco 49ers and Alexander Johnson, who is a guy that a lot of people were talking about as a potential cut in the preseason, just because of Josie Jewell, Todd Davis, and there's a lot of hype about uh, Justin Hollins moving permanently to off ball and just all this stuff. And they just weren't sure if he would beat out the other competition with uh, Josh Watson as well, showing up as he did. But Brian Greenfield comes in with a $5 donation saying at the bar after work and have to rewatch later. Well, we hope you do. Thank you for the donation. We appreciate that a lot. Jordi Lopez comes in asking thoughts on Malik Harrison. And I actually like Malik Harrison. I noticed him last year. About actually about the same time, I can't remember what Ohio State prospect I was watching, but I remember mentioning him to or to Nick Kendall about him, and I like him. He's not the biggest athlete out there. He's not or not the most athletic, I should say. He's not the biggest guy, but he's he can just play and he plays very well. He's not a guy that's going to come in and tear it up, but he's going to go be a guy that can come in and be solid for a team. Right, and and he's definitely very physical. Um, you know, I mean, he's not afraid of contact one bit, and that fits well within what Fangio likes of guys who are are willing to hit and willing to be sound tacklers on the field. Uh, but like you said, he's not – I don't see him ever developing into a top-10 linebacker in football. Yeah. Uh, he, he's going to be a solid depth piece, a solid starter if he's asked to do something like that. He'll do his job. But there will be teams that will know how to exploit some of his weaknesses. And then we have a, another couple questions coming in from Jordi Lopez. They actually go together. Who would be a the, be a perfect fit for us at any position from free agency? And he also added, and there are rumors talking about the Broncos are going to be very active in free agency. I think that if he gets cut, I mean, obviously he's not a free agent right now, but Calais Campbell, we talked about Chris Jones, but I think Calais Campbell is probably the best fit on the defensive line for the Broncos, and especially being a Colorado guy, bringing them home and everything. But another option that they have is that I really like for the Broncos in their scheme is Bashad Breland, who had a great, very underrated year for the Kansas City Chiefs. And as we were talking about with Chris Jones, I think that would be a way to weaken your main divisional opponent while strengthening your own roster. Who are some guys about for you, Carl? Well, I'm with you. I mean, both those guys fit really well. Uh, The Chiefs got a steal there in Breland. Oh, man. His foot injury making him unsignable by a lot of teams. And then he comes in and has the season he had. uh, Just kind of shows some of those things that uh, you got to take risks. And I I know people get out to the Broncos for taking guys with injury risks. But sometimes when those work out, those are the best contracts you have on your roster. And, And obviously for the Chiefs, that's how that worked out. Uh, I mean, obviously, Chris Jones is a great fit with what the Broncos need on that interior starting defensive line. Um, I'm trying to think of some other guys. Uh, Schobert from Cleveland would be another good one to add to the linebacking core that uh, I I think would fit well with what they need and having that all-around linebacker that you don't have to take off the field at any point that can drop back coverage, can help in the run game. Uh, If Cleveland lets him go, Broncos really should be one of his first calls. 
I definitely think that the Broncos will be in all on Joe Schobert and being able to pair him with Alexander Johnson because Joe Schobert, he is, he is good against the run, but he's not great. He's definitely better in coverage and they need somebody better in coverage. And that would just be so complimentary to what Alexander Johnson, who is much better against the run than he is in coverage. So definitely to a very good option there, but guys, we are running a little bit long where you have time for just a couple more questions before we got to jump out of here. Enjoy Grubbs comes in asking y'all think that think Draymond Jones is worthy as a worthy starter next year. I I've gone back and forth on this. I think that he's definitely shown enough that he can, he can be a starter, but I like him better as a situational subs um, rotational piece on the Broncos as he continues to grow. When I went back and watched his tape after the season, there was just a lot of big weaknesses. I saw that just make me just a little bit too uncomfortable with making him a starter right now. I, I'm viewing him wanting, or I'm wanting him to take the Malik Jackson path to starting, where Malik Jackson came in as that situational pass rusher when he first came into the league, uh, was a little bit undersized, was able to bulk up as the season went on or as his career went on, and so then years three and four are when you really begin to see him emerge and become that true starter for you. But you're right, I, I think just he needs a little bit more junk in the trunk uh, to to make it uh, holding up you know, play in, play out. And I do think if you have him a starter, it does hurt his production as a pass rusher. Yeah. That's not what you, you want to make sure that you're using him to his greatest strength. And, and so if you're taking him away from that, uh, if you're having him in there for so many snaps and he's not able to get quite the, the 10% pass rush rate that he was getting this past year. Yeah. That, that's going to be a huge deal. You, you want that from him because he is so good at it. And uh, so I, I do think that they need to find a couple more starters for that defensive line and then use him rotating in with all of those guys. All right. Irvin Bailey comes in with a $5 donation. Thank you for that. Very much appreciated. And says, if Denver goes 10 and six next year, it would make me dance. Not good news for the wife. Great job, guys. Thank you. We appreciate that. And trust me, if Denver goes 10 and six next year, I'd be dancing too. And that's not good news for my wife either. Yeah. Yeah. My <laughs> wife, uh, at times she encourages me to dance. And then when I start, she's like, oh yeah, never mind. That was a bad decision. <laughs> Uh, yeah, uh, never was a good dancer. I always hated going to dances, but uh, if they're 10 and six, I'm dancing too. And then Buona Beast asks, Campbell seems to still think he's worth a lot of money. Will he be stubborn there? Campbell, Campbell thinks he's still worth a lot of money because he still is. I think his contract is more than fair for his play. I would actually be willing to give him a raise if the Jaguars cut him. The issue is, is the Jaguars are in just, in just such a rough spot cap-wise that they can't afford his contract with all the other issues they have. So that's why I do think that he'll end up being cut. But they do have other options like A.J. Boye, who if he gets cut, I'd like Denver to go after him, and Marcel Darius as well. But he's definitely worth that money. He was he was a top three interior defensive lineman last year. Right. Yeah. I, I mean, I know his sack numbers weren't quite as good as the years, the couple of years before that. But that doesn't mean he wasn't still productive. It just means the team around him wasn't quite as good. Yeah. Uh, you know, sack numbers they vary. Look at look at Von Miller. Second year in the league, he had eight, 18 and a half sacks. Are you telling me he's a worse player now uh, than he was in his second year? I mean, I guess you could argue a little bit that he's get showing a little bit of signs of aging, but. All those other years, 2015, was he worse in 2015 than he was in 2012? No. And and so, again, sometimes you can get stuck on those numbers and say, yeah, that guy's not worth it. But he is. I mean, he's he's a perfect fit for what they need of a guy that is long, 
uh, can hold up on the interior in the run game, can be a great pass rushing option. And I really do think Denver would be a team that he's really wanting to come to, not only because he has his family here, because that almost brought him last time, but also just because uh, I think he can see that this is going to be a great opportunity. Fangio, interior defensive linemen shine with Fangio. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think he could see that he could really shine here in Denver once again and be on a team that's really up and coming. Yeah, and with Clayus Campbell, and you talked about those stats, and it's kind of the same thing with Chris Jones and my belief that he should have been the Super Bowl MVP. While he didn't fill up the stat sheet, he did so much that helped everyone else on the defense and caused so much disruption, forced the, basically the opposing team to completely change things just to deal with him. And that's the kind of player that Clayus Campbell is. And Eric Ryan comes in with our – this will be our second-to-last question, guys, just so you know. And first of all, I want to say, Eric, your name is spelled awesome. It's perfect. You're, you're like the third per Eric I've ever seen. That is a CK. So that is just awesome. But he asks, who do you think they will get to compliment Sutton? And basically, it's they have plenty of options. I mean, Henry Ruggs at 15. They can move down. Jalen Rager. I think LaVisca Chenault is a very good complimentary piece to him yep. with his ability to do just so much. And if he runs that 4-3-5 or sub 4-3-5-40, then, oh, man, he's I, – I, I'm not sure he would be there at 15 for the Broncos. Right. And just all these other guys, Denzel Mims we talked about earlier, John Hightower, and I can go on and on and on listing wide receivers. This is the perfect year to go get that complimentary piece. Right. So many options for him, and I, but I think that Henry Ruggs is probably towards the top of their, their wish list anyways. Right, and he should be. Yeah. I mean, that, that kind of speed, it, it does – as soon as the Broncos would draft him, teams would be going, okay, now what do we do? <laughs> because just like the Chiefs have with, with uh, Tyreek Hill – I mean, teams panic at that kind of speed, and it changes your entire defense of how you can cover them. And and I know I saw somebody say, why would you get a guy that maybe is going to have five touches a game? They're at 15. Well, because all the other touches for every other player are are changed because of that one player being on the yeah. field. You know, th- they have to worry about when are those five touches coming? How are they coming? And and so th- that's why a player like that is so worth it to to get there at like 15 or a Rager as well. He's another guy that would change how defense have to cover the Broncos. Yeah, and with when it comes to Rugs, I have my concerns about him. I've made it I've made no qualms about it. I've been very open on Twitter about my issues with him. I don't I think his routes are a little iffy. I think that he doesn't offer much variation in his speed through his routes, and I wish his routes were a little bit sharper, but those are all things that could be worked on. With Tyreek Hill is he also wins with with his quickness through his routes and just able to get instant separation. But his speed, I mean, there's no denying it. Henry Ruggs, if he runs a sub four two five forty, and people are expecting him to even run run a sub four two forty, which would just be would be tremendous. But it it does it automatically makes the defense have to completely change how they have to. They have to keep a deep safety. They have to. There is no ifs ands or buts about it. They have to provide help over the top just for it to deal with Henry Ruggs and his speed because there are very few corners in the NFL that are going to be able to keep up with him. And be, and then even then is, even though with my issues with his routes and his quickness to his routes and speed variation and all that stuff, as I said, is getting him on slants and getting on the ball quickly and just letting him outrun everybody. Again, that's going to be such a tremendous piece for the Broncos offense and just opening up everything else. Great guy or a great prospect. Absolutely love him. There has been some rumors going around about a knee concern. So I'm, I'm curious to see how that's going to, what's going to happen to the combine if we're going to get any more word about that. And the last question we have is coming in from Cole Weiss is what do you see at cornerback? Who do they get or keep? I'll let you start with this one, Carl. Well, I mean, there's rumors that the, the Bears are going to have to cut Prince of Mucamara. 
And of course, we've already seen that he can function highly with Vic Fangio and his defense. Uh, so that, that one wouldn't surprise me. I, I know there's rumors about them going after Byron Jones um, and just liking his versatility that he brings to the field, both playing safety, cornerback, whatever you need him to do. And so I, I definitely could see them wanting to throw a pretty big contract at him. But I do wonder a little bit if he's going to to price himself out. Rashad Breland, you've already mentioned him. He's another guy that I think the Broncos could really highly tout. Uh, he's already shown that he can function well as a zone corner. Uh, he can kind of do a little bit of everything. And then, of course, you got the draft. I mean, there's a lot of guys in this draft that uh, I think the nice thing about this cornerback group is you got a lot of versatility of different kinds of cornerbacks. You got your pressed man corners. You got your zone corners. You got your speed guys. You got your your size guys. You, you got a little bit of everything. And so I see the Broncos doing both. I see them getting a guy in free agency. Um, I mean, obviously, with Chris Harris leaving, you can't just leave it to the guys that they have. And then also probably a mid-round pick um, is where I see them going unless a guy really falls to them in the second round. Because past Okuda, there's not another guy worth 15, in my opinion, right now. But that second and third round is where the cornerbacks, uh, like a Damon Arnett, uh, Trayvon Diggs there in the second, if he would ever fall there. I've, I've seen him falling down mock drafts and I'm just kind of going, I mean, the guy is still pretty talented. I know he has, he's pretty raw, uh, but uh, you got Jeff Gladney is another guy that if, if we're talking about needing a speed guy to keep up with like a Tyree kill Gladney, he is that track speed kind of thing. So th- those would be some names that I'm looking at right now for the Broncos. Like I said, second, third round, plus another guy in free agency. What about you? I definitely agree is I don't see the Broncos placing a huge value on adding to their cornerback room. And the simple fact for that is the Vic Fangio scheme that just places a lesser value on the position. I think that like a Prince of Mukamara or somebody like that in the cornerback, they've been linked to Byron Jones though. So that's going to be interesting, but Prince of Mukamara, he makes a lot of sense. If they can go get Byron Jones and that would be tremendous. But I think that I think that they would be a little bit better off going with that, that veteran presence guy for a little bit cheaper, like a Prince of Mukamara or, and then going in the draft somewhere, day two, day three, you mentioned a couple guys, Jeff Gladney, Trayvon Diggs, guys like that. But there's also guys like Troy uh, Troy True. Pride from, from Notre Dame, Stanford Samuels out of Florida State. Uh, Dane Jackson is a guy that I could think would be very good in this Broncos scheme that they run. There's plenty of options through everything. Now, before we get out of here, Buona Beasts made this idea about a pop of the day. Well, pop of the day is going to be Hulkbuster, which is just right over my shoulder over here. And that was actually probably the first pop figure I collected. I saw it and it was, I ended up having to spend quite a bit of money to go get it. All right, guys, but that's going to do it for us today. If you guys enjoyed the show, please like it and share it and just tell all of your friends and all your buddies about it. You guys can find us uh, on Twitter. It's at Carl Dumbler, MHH and at Eric Trickle, E-R-I-C-K-T-R-I-C-K-E-L. And you can find us on Twitter. You can also follow the at DVD pod at DVDD pod on Twitter as well. You can follow, what is it? The building the Broncos. What's the Twitter handle for that one, Carl? Uh, at BTB pod. Or, uh, yeah. At, at BTB pod. And uh, that's where Carl's normally at joining Nick Kendall. Lance Sanderson's normally here. You can follow Lance Sanderson at Sanderson MHH. You can follow all the huddle, all the huddle up podcasts at huddle up pod. And Again, thank you guys for joining us. We had a great time. We will be back next week. Hopefully, well, not I shouldn't say hopefully. No offense to you, Carl. But uh, it should be Lance and I again next week. Same time, 11 o'clock, my, 11 o'clock my time, sorry. 1 o'clock Mountain Standard Time. And 
not sure what the topic is yet, but I do know, and uh, this is a little bit of a teaser, guys, a good friend of mine and a college current college coach is going to be joining Lance and I here in a few weeks. So stay tuned for that, guys. See you again next week.